Hey, hello, welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside here on the Gridcoin Discord server. Today is October 2nd. It's supposed to be 3.30 p.m. where we do these, these chats every Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the uh, Gridcoin Discord server. We're going to talk about all things Gridcoin, and you can bring in stuff you want to talk about too, bring questions, whatever. We'll have folks to talk about it. Uh, awesome. We just got some Gridcoin stats coming in through the chat. Thank you, Smo. Uh, so today we're talking mostly about Fern Update, uh, and we'll hit on anything else anyone wants to talk about, but uh, that's about it. So let's just get into it. Fern being Gridcoin 5.0, we are now up to a hotfix of 5.0.1. Um, that up that hotfix is whatever. Basically, you need to be running version 5.0. You need to be running it now, damn it. Uh, the lowdown for this, and I will have a link in the description that gives you three very simple steps to make sure you are ready to go when the Fern uh, update gets activated. But I will tell you right now anyway. So there's going to be a block height trigger that's going to happen around October 4th. And then once that block height trigger happens, there's going to be a two-week transition period where everyone who is a cruncher should renew well must renew and validate their beacons after those two weeks are up uh if you have not renewed and validated your beacon you will no longer be earning grc but if you don't do it within those two weeks and then you do it later you'll be earning grc again you'll just miss that period between after two weeks past the block height trigger and the time when you actually renew and validate your beacon essentially what is happening is all the beacons are being cleared, wiped clean, and reset. That's the way to think about it. So we want new beacons for everyone. Uh, and there is now the validation process, which is there's a walkthrough in the wallet. I'm going to try and get a tutorial out shortly about how to do it. But really, just follow the instructions on the wallet on how to validate your beacon. This will make sure that every beacon is owned by the person who says they own it. It's a pretty neat security feature. All right, so here are the steps you need to do to make sure you're on board. Update to Gridcoin 5.0 by October 3rd. That is tomorrow. So if you are here listening to this, update now. Uh, update to 5.0.1, yes. Download, let's rephrase this. Step one, download the latest version of Gridcoin by October 3rd. You can do this by going to the Gridcoin website at gridcoin.us. All right, next step, wait until October 6th. Once October 6th happens, you have until October 16th to renew your beacon. So step two, renew your beacon between October 6th and October 16th. Step three, wait. <laughs> That's it. You're done. So if you once you renew your beacon, you'll be good to go. Now, a little more information on this. Um, the block height happens probably on October 4th, but it's not like set in stone. It's based on block timing. So is going to happen either on October 3rd, 4th, or 5th. It will most definitely have happened by October 6th, and it's probably not going to happen on October 2nd. So if you update by October 3rd, you'll be updated and ready to go when that block height trigger hits. Now, like I said, it might happen on October 5th, but it's probably almost certainly going to have happened by October 6th. And since you don't want to renew your beacon until after the trigger, just wait until October 6th and then renew your beacon. So you're good to go. Uh, you have until October 16th which uh, to renew your beacon because once you renew and validate your beacon, that has to get put into a new super block. 
uh, and super blocks happen once per day about. Uh, again, those are, that's a timing thing. So if you get your, your new beacon into a super block on October 16th, uh, or into the network on October 16th, it will be put into the super block on October 17th, which means you'll be ready to go by October 18th, which is when the uh, reset is going to happen. And again, that reset is based on when the block height actually triggers, so plus or minus a day. But the safest thing to do, update by October 3rd, renew your beacon between October 6th and 16th. Good to go, easy peasy. All right, so that's the Fern update. The Fern update, of course, being the team requirement removal, uh, which is really cool. You can now leave the Gridcoin team if you so choose and go join whatever team you want and crunch with them. You can crunch with your friends, you can crunch with your school, you can crunch with your loved ones, you can crunch with your enemies, you can crunch the weights in the gym, you can crunch, um, I'm out of crunching jokes, there weren't many. Uh, so, uh, what else? Uh, besides massive, massive improvement to the just code base in general, like one of the examples is this beacon security feature. Uh, so we now have a more secure blockchain uh, and reward mechanism. Uh, with this team required removal, we're going to want to start reaching out to the Blink community more and more uh, in very responsible, respectful ways. Understand if you have been in the crypto space for a long time, you are a minority, a great minority. You're like less than 1% of the people are still familiar with blockchains. So when you approach people about this stuff, accept that they're probably going to reject the idea first and invite them to come in with skepticism. Tell them not to just jump in head first. Feet first, which way do people usually jump? Whatever way, don't just jump in. Come in and have doubts and just kind of hang out for a bit Get to know it. You don't need to buy Gridcoin anymore because another great update with the Fern, <laughs> with the Fern, with the Fern release is the fact that rewards are they don't disappear after six months. So you can come in and crunch with Gridcoin for six months. You're not actually going to earn your, your receive your earned rewards, but you'll see your rewards build up, uh, and you'll get to get a feel for this this technology that's really like. I don't know. It's mysterious, right? It's like the old internet protocol, and which is still kind of mysterious for the vast majority of the world, myself included. How the hell does the internet work? So I was told it was a series of tubes, and I still I have now seen these tubes. Um, so uh, invite them in with skepticism. Tell them that there's no there's no longer this this really sketchy thing, which was like understandable once you know how it works. But to everyone who doesn't know how it works. Uh, the requirement to buy Gridcoin to earn Gridcoin sounds pretty sketchy. Uh, so that no longer exists. That's really cool. Uh, and then, you know, people can still join pools and do all that stuff. Uh, so we are going to want to go out to Boink more and bring them in uh, respectfully. What else? Uh, oh, I just put out a post the other, uh, other day that highlights that with this Fern release, we can now do all that really cool stuff we've been talking about for years, which can actually have a uh, impact on the world in which we live, which is why I like to think a lot of people are here uh, because a lot of people here are science enthusiasts and people get into science because they, they first of all, like discovering stuff and like the, the challenge and the mystery and, and all that fun, uh, sentimental nonsense. But the, uh, and I'm saying nonsense here, tongue in cheek, right? Because it's actually really fun. But the, the other part is that science is one of, if not the only thing that has actually made life better for people uh, and people who go into science generally want to play a part in that and making the world better for other people so 
Gridcoin, well, the world is changing. There's no denying it uh, anymore. And how it changes is up to the people who make an impact, who make ripples as the world changes, who hit the anvil when the metal's hot. Oh, that's a fun one. Okay, so we want to be one of those groups that's smacking the sword and shaping it into the way we want to shape it. Uh, and we have a role to play. We're not going to do the whole thing. That's crazy. But Gridcoin now can actually play a role in shaping the world around it. Uh, before, it, was, it still could. We were still influencing people and all that stuff because uh, we're introducing them to cryptocurrency in this new future where it's a little more free. There's a little more choice when it comes to finances, when it comes to data. You have you own your own data, all this stuff. That's all blockchain and, and uh, decentralization. Uh, and we were still introducing people to that through Gridcoin, but with a really kind of uh, a, a tech a code base that was not able to actually change the system of science. Um, now we kind of have a code base where we can move forward, which is pretty cool. So uh, we want to focus on that a little more. Things that I I preach all the time. And again, I am not Gridcoin. There's a lot of people here with a lot of different opinions, and it's fun to talk about them. A great example is last episode where Jim and I uh, had a back and forth about which direction we want to go. Uh, but the things I preach are economic freedom. So building a treasury system in a economic protocol that anyone can understand, manipulate, and et cetera, et cetera open source principles. Uh, so if we build a treasury system, we can fund science, we can build more decentralized and inclusive structures for the scientific system, whether they are additives to the current structures, or to the current system, or if they replace entirely the current structures because the structures are falling apart because their center cannot hold. So we can now build those structures and try to integrate them into our technology, uh, which is the Gridcoin protocol. Uh, funded science, peer-reviewed system, accreditation, um, stuff like that. Uh, other aspects of the system of science, sure, we can play around with those. Uh, but those are the big ones. Publishing, peer review. Uh, in the article I posted, I, get, I gave some examples. You know, we 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 have uh, a lot of stuff being published digitally now, and it's being published through centralized means. And if that centralized means goes offline, the publication is gone forever. You can't get it. It's gone. It's deleted. You emptied your recycling bin. If we have a decentralized means of publication that uses a peer-to-peer -peer system, a file transfer, an IPFS, or or whatever, uh, well, you publish it. It goes into that system, and as long as one person has it on their computer, it always exists. It can always be re-injected into the network. That seems pretty cool. Um, what else could we do? I think that's a good good stuff. So we're we're we got to get to Boink. We got to work on how to work this. Uh, work this stuff out, including the economics of Gridcoin, uh, the, the magnitude, so we can inject incentive into the science system. Um, I was just talking to a, uh, another crypto community before this about how the sort of, you get what you reward, right? And right now, publications reward citations. So you don't really get good publications. You get publications that will get cited a lot, which does that mean it's good? Well, it could. It could also just mean that it gets cited a lot. Uh, and, and science development is largely corporate science because uh, the incentives are aligned in that way. So when you're an academic scientist or a scientist at an institution that is uh, funded by a social contract, then you are not necessarily incentivized to actually do science uh, in, in a meaningful way. 
there are a lot of really great institutions out there that do incentivize their scientists, their, 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 their employees to do really good science. Don't get me wrong, but for the most part, the incentive is on the corporate side, where if you're a scientist working for a corporation and you develop a translational product that gets corporation money, you get a lot of money. That seems like a pretty straightforward incentive. So we could play around with those incentives uh, and, and uh, get foundational science back up to where it needs to be so that we can continue doing translational science instead of having a system where the same product is created over and over and over again and you just uh, repatent the distribution mechanisms. So I'm thinking EpiPens right here, right? Epinephrine is a very cheap drug that was discovered a very long time ago. Uh, and the it, it's not like quote unquote open source because the corporations keep patenting the delivery mechanism. So and, and they say that's part of it. So they're just reinventing the same thing over and over again because that's what they're incentivized to do. It's not their fault. It's sort of their fault. But at the same time, it's understandable why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, so we, we can play with the incentives. Um, let's see. Someone's mentioned that, uh, Smo has mentioned that they kick you out of science if you don't publish new stuff. Or they kick you out of your, your uh, social contract institution if you don't publish new stuff. Yep, that's true. Uh, so it, it makes people publish, publish, publish. And it's, that's like, okay, if I'm publishing, when am I doing the science? Science takes time, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, Duffa was saying about the peer reviewed articles, shouldn't we fund uh sci hub? Isn't the, sci hubs the, the, uh, underground open access thing, right? Yes. It's, it's a, a really incredible, uh, service for basically amateur researchers or even professionals who don't live in an institution and yeah. Uh, yeah it could it could use some donations well what we can do is even better yes we can support sci-hub but we can and i think sci-hub is fairly popular but um so don't worry about talking about it but what we can do is even better we can build a system that lets amateur researchers become professionals without having to uh get sucked into a uh a, a school and schools are great they do wonderful work uh there's there are bad things to them though so if you can't acknowledge that then we can't have a conversation but we can have a conversation about that uh so if you have an amateur researcher we can find ways to fund their science and we can find ways to we can create structures that they must go through that require them to do it in responsible ways. So it, what we can do is in, in the same way that Gridcoin acknowledges that greed exists and we say, okay, if you wanna be greedy, you have to give computation cycles to science. So if you wanna make more money, you have to give more computation cycles, therefore you're doing more science, great. What we can say is, okay, people are going to be biohackers. People are going to do this amateur research because it's very easy to do nowadays. Uh, so why don't we build a system through which they can do it and encourage them to do it? Because that's actually where a lot of really great science comes from. And within that system, we have structures of checks and balances that make sure that people, for the most part, are doing it right. They're not being irresponsible with some of the really, really cool and dangerous stuff that they're playing with. Uh, if you just reject it and say you can only do science at an academic situation in, a, in an academic institution uh, or at a corporation, they're going to do the science anyway. And the amateur scientists are still going to exist and they'll do it whatever the hell the way they want. But if we build a way for them to get funding and money, they'll probably do it that way. Whatever they'll play the game they have to play. Uh, so 
I, I didn't mean to go on a, a tangent here about what we could do with grid coin return. I forgot what I actually wanted to talk about. Uh, but there you go. That's some pretty cool stuff uh, that we can do. Uh, down the pipeline with Gridcoin specifically. Oh, I wanted to do stats. I remember. So regarding some stats that have come up with uh, Fern, we have uh, of the past. Could someone aggregate that? Smo, I'm sorry. How much of that? Right. Okay. So with the stats of Fern, we have over 70% of the last thousand blocks staked with a version 5.0. So that means 70% of the network has updated, upgraded, updated, whatever, already. Uh, and that is very good. However, it's not uh, it's not perfect. We want over 90% at least. Uh, but over 70% means that we're not going to have a contentious fork uh, for those in the blockchain space. You know what that means for those not. It means that um, when there's an update like what Fern is, which is a protocol shift, uh, either people who run the software agree with it or don't agree with it. And if there's a relatively even split between people who agree with it and don't agree with it, you have a contentious fork and you end up with two blockchains. Uh, if the network generally agrees with it then, and all, everyone updates, then you don't have, you have a non-contentious fork. You have a protocol shift. Uh, so, oh, damn. Okay, Sai thank you. Uh, he says that we have 96.6% of staked blocks uh, running 5 or 5.0.1. So never mind, we're solid. Still, That's a very good number. That is a very good number. Amen. Less so, than 4% of not upgrading. Those are only the sleepers, and I think a lot of them will upgrade. Yeah, and I will look, I, I have not fully upgraded yet either. So I am horrible. Don't be me. <laughs> so I will update. Uh, we give some other numbers for you. Also, uh, compliments of SciSci, and I lost them. Uh, right, we have beacons increasing steadily over the past several weeks. Uh, we have gone from 750-ish beacons at the beginning of September uh, to over 800 uh, beacons. We're up to about 820-ish uh, at the end of September. So we've increased by 70-ish hmm, beacons. And beacons are people individually running uh, nodes on the network. So those are... You can think of them as individual crunchers. It's the easiest way to measure how many people are actually using Gridcoin. But the fact is, we have Gridcoin pools. Uh, thank you, Sai. We have Gridcoin pools where the vast majority of people crunch. And those pools are because you used to have to stake within six months or you would lose your rewards. And not a lot of people had a lot of Gridcoin uh, to stake, so they would join the pools, which would stake for them and then distribute rewards. We actually have, uh, I think it's like 13,000 people crunching with Gridcoin, and I would hope that number continues to increase uh, with this Fern update. Um, another thing that I've seen floating around in discussions uh, is that the syncing time and the general stability of the client seems to be vastly improved with 5.0. Uh, Someone mentioned, I think I, I saw Terrence Lee mention that he was able to sync in a matter matter of hours instead of a matter of days, which is great. That means you can set up your own client and start staking on the blockchain uh, in the amount of time it takes to eat a meal. So wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, Shimmy Shim, which is an excellent name, <laughs> goes back to uh, Sci Hub here. He has um, at 
at the end of the day, SciHub publish, publishes articles illegally. Should scientific data be free? It's a worthy aspiration, but first, you shouldn't steal people's livelihoods in the process. You need to make the system sufficient to support research in its publications without being dependent on publishers. That's exactly what we're building. The incentive structures of the current system are entirely misaligned. And that's me being extreme. Maybe they're only slightly misaligned, but they are misaligned one way or the other. We have scientists producing really cool stuff that aren't getting the monetary benefit of it unless they work for a corporation or if they work for an institution they then need to sell it through the school which has some weird copyright nonsense going on it's just an entirely convoluted really weird system having to do with uh incentives so we need to develop a system where we're not stealing people's livelihoods where a, a person's livelihood doesn't depend on them making the science pay for access we need to develop an open access system or an open system of science where science is accessible. Data is accessible unless you it's your personal data, in which case you own it. Uh, but research is accessible so that people can go do cool stuff with us and make cool things like Velcro. Uh, so in order to do that, we need to find new ways to fund science. Blockchain. Let's go back to the way science currently is funded. And the current system is through a social contract where I pay taxes to a government and a government gives money to a school, essentially, through grants. NSF, right? That's a social contract that has existed since churches. It's been around for a long time. The government, government the people with the guns, give land to an entity in return for something. So the people with the guns give land to a church in turn for the church saying that the people with the guns are good. Or the people with the guns give land to an, to a, to an institution in exchange for the institution's research. We want that research to be open to everyone. And there have been attempts to do this through actual legal means. Uh, I think in the US, the Obama administration made it requirement for research funded by the government to be open access. I don't know how uh, well, that's working now, but um, it's an example of it being attempted. Uh, but we need to rewrite those contracts. So all of these, uh, those social contracts, all of these little blockchains or big blockchains, if you're looking at Bitcoin, are economic networks. And all nations are, are net economic networks. A currency is the base protocol of any nation, of any government. You have to have a currency. Uh, so we have our own little nation in Gridcoin, and we can build our own contracts. Uh, how we build them is up to us. Uh, it, there's many, many different ways to do it. That's why there's many, many different blockchains all experimenting and trying to find uh, the right way to do it. There are tons, there's a handful, let's say, of distributed computing blockchains under development, or maybe they're just smart contracts on another blockchain, but they're all different. They're all experimenting with different ways to change the scientific system. Gridcoin's been around since 2013. Uh, and we're built on top of Boink. We happen to have a bit of a, of a, a head start here, but it, it's the question that you bring up or the point you bring up, Shimmy Shim, is the point. We need to find a way to to reward science and not publication. Uh, and there are a couple ideas floating around this community on how to do it. Uh, so you're bringing up also NIH and I brought up NSF. So those are also gateways. So we want to develop systems that get rid of gateways. Gatekeepers, I'm sorry. So uh, NSF, you get funded by NSF if NSF thinks your science is good. And for the most part, great. Like NSF is run by scientists, but there's probably a better way to do it. 
uh, where more science gets uh, <laughs> gets run. No, NSF is not safe for work. <laughs> NSF is the National Science Foundation or, or NIH and National Institute of Health. Uh, so you have these gatekeepers, which generally for people who are in the world of science, it's obvious that they do a fairly good job. But also, if you're in the world of science, you acknowledge that things can always be made better. But if you're not in the world of science, you don't know if they do a good job or not. And all you see is that they're gatekeepers. So you don't trust them. You end up not trusting Fauci. You end up not trusting anything they say, because all you see is the corporate world where you see people increase the drug, increase the price of insulin, increase the price of EpiPens, and not change the thing, not make it better. So you take that, what you see, and you translate it to that which you don't understand, which is how NSF and NIH work. So it's you don't trust scientists. That's what you end up getting. So you need to make a system where people can participate because otherwise you get madness. <laughs> you get distrust. That's one of the principles of blockchain, a trustless system where anyone can participate in securing the ledger. We want to take that further into the world of science, where anyone can participate in the world of science. We're not taking stuff away from the people who run NSF, who are great scientists, who have spent careers in science, who know what science needs to get funded and when, but we're adding that power to more people. So it's a yes and situation. Uh, at the same time, we're building on top of permissionless distributed computing infrastructures like Boink, which bring those people who see what corporate science does uh, and brings them into the scientific system by letting them contribute directly to discovering new really cool things. Uh, like, you know, COVID is a great example. Everyone wanted to find the cure for COVID, still does. And so they're contributing to COVID projects like crazy. Uh, but you want to keep them here. And one of the ways to keep people here is through money. So we can do that. Uh, but another way is to build a system within Gridcoin which is a large computing network in itself that encourages computational projects that encourages scientists to communicate their science to the everyday person. Uh, that keeps them in. So if I explain to someone uh, that your research is doing protein folding, here's what protein folding does, and here how it's, how it's going to help us, here is how it's going to help us solve COVID, they're going to stay in regardless of the money. And then, But if I say on top of it, and you're going to make some money. They're definitely going to stay in. Uh, so if we make it so that scientist who explained their science well gets more computation power because of the structures we build, they're going to explain their science well. We're building different incentives versus if that scientist publishes a bunch of stuff, regardless of if their science and publication is good or not, uh, but if they publish a bunch of stuff, they get funding. Well, that sounds like a bad system. How about if they explain their science to people, they get funding and resources. And that by explaining their science to people, they end up making more scientists. That's why Boink started in the first place. That's why SETI started. SETI started to get people interested in science. Uh, so a question here, the blockchain and, and aliens. Well, no, they used, so SETI at home, I'll get to your question, Shimmy Shim, but SETI at home was started by David Getty who was very, very clear about saying he wants people interested in science. How do we get people interested in science? Aliens. So it's like aliens were almost an afterthought. <laughs> uh, but it, yes, and aliens. So uh, the blockchain, uh, great cost. The blockchain is a system of distributing funds. Where do the funds come from? NSF is a system for distributing funds. Where do the funds come from? You have to ask that question too.
So I will let you answer that question in the chat here. Where do NSF's funds come from? And I'm, I'll read your other comment. So Shimi also says, so what you're talking about is uh, about the accessibility of scientific knowledge to the layman. It's not about accessibility, it's about proactive education. So uh, the, the knowledge, scientific knowledge is accessible to a lot of people already, but they're not just gonna go out and read a paper and understand it. Science communication is an industry for a reason. You have to be able to translate that to what normal people talk like. One of the biggest problems in most high-level professions is that you're taught to speak a language that is understood only by that higher level profession. Scientists speak the language of science, doctors speak the language of doctors, and it's mostly in three-letter acronyms. So you, you can't talk like that to a normal person and expect them to understand or respect you. Just because you use a three-letter acronym does not make you a person worthy of respect. The if I don't understand the process through which you went to know all those three-letter acronyms and how complicated and complex and challenging it was, I don't care that you're using the three-letter acronym. But if I understand how complex that science is, and if I understand that it's necessary to go to school for six to 10 years to understand something, I'm going to respect you for using those acronyms. So that's part of what it is. It's bringing that aspect in, uh, making people understand what science is, what is about, how hard it is. And one of the ways to do that is to let anyone try. Um, so you did not answer my question about where the money comes from. So I will answer for you. Uh, NSF funding comes from taxes. Taxes come from the people. People get their money by working. Uh, so that means they're paid by a business. Businesses get their money by people, which get their money by working, which get their money by people. And so there's the cycle and the money is injected into that cycle through a loan. So a business starts by taking out a loan and that loan comes from a bank, which got its money from a bank. So it's just printed. It just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> so that's where NSF gets its funding. So uh, <laughs> if we're going to, so the problem with that, that's how currency functions, by the way, that's how currency works. It's just made. People have to accept that it's the unit of exchange. It's just made. It's always been that way. Uh, you can have a, a money that is more hard or less hard, a more hard money being a money that is limited in supply, a less hard money being fiat, which is just printed whenever someone needs money. Uh, and that less hard money is less hard for a reason because it generally falls into nothing. Um, so what blockchains, well, where the money comes from currently is from uh, Steven Mnuchin and uh, the, the saying, we're going to print some cash today, folks. And then, uh, you know, there's other people involved. I'm kind of being facetious about it. But uh, there's generally a group of people make a decision to print money uh, or a Federal Reserve bank, which makes a decision to put interest rates at a certain level um, or to buy stocks or to buy bonds. Uh, so that's where the money currently comes from. And the problem with that is it's in the hands, the decisions are in the hands of very few people, generally high level professionals who do not speak the language of everyday people. So they don't even know what the everyday person actually needs. They're just, I'm giving them the massive benefit of the doubt of not being just purely corrupt right now. I'm just saying they don't understand what everyday people need. Um, the other side of it is, of course, they're just corrupt and they're going to do whatever they can to keep their power. Uh, 
So what blockchain does, it's the exact same principles. It just happens printing, it just prints money, but there's a lot of differences in its implementation. It's a hard money system. So Bitcoin is only going to have 21 million Bitcoin. So that's why it's called gold. It's called the digital gold. There's only X amount of Bitcoin that will ever exist and there will never be more. So that gives a lot of value to it. Someone can't just come up and say, we're going to print more Bitcoin. Uh, with I hope I didn't misspeak. I meant 21 million Bitcoin, not Gridcoin. So that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is its economic um, levers. It's, its economic protocol is defined in computer code that is open source. So that means anyone can read the the computer code and understand the economic protocol. It also means that the economic protocol cannot just, well, that combined with the way that the blockchain code is changed over time, which has to do with contentious and non-contentious forks, which I described earlier, um, means that these economic protocols can't just change on a whim. We're not sitting around waiting for the Fed to have its meeting to learn whether interest rates go up or down. The interest rates are just not going to change. And if it is going to change, people are, are going to be able to tell that that's happening months, if not years in advance. Uh, it's more constrained. It's more restrained and controlled, more predictable. Uh, all right. So those are the two basic things, the improvements that blockchain brings to economic systems. So with Gridcoin specifically, we're not a hard money. We have a protocol-defined inflationary system. It's a disinflationary system, actually. But what that means is um, money, continu Gridcoin, continuously is printed. But it's the same amount every day, every year, every month. It's written in code. It's predictable. It doesn't fluctuate. Uh, and what? so the disinflation part is if the same amount is printed every day, as the amount in circulation increases, the actual inflation percentage decreases. So it's going to disinflate to a 0% inflation rate, essentially. Um, we have that in some math, and it's written out as to what, as to what, uh, and what year that will happen. But I will be the first to tell you that our economic protocol is not entirely thought out, uh, because the the original economic protocol was very much not thought out. Then we had um, what we call CBR. We changed the way the protocol works for uh, various reasons, and in that transition we sort of patched the economic protocol to make it sustainable, to make it understandable and make sense. Uh, yes, random Daz, it is basically evolving. So the next step, now that we have a very solid code base to improve, we should probably spend some time looking into the economic protocol. The reason we didn't want to do that before there was a code base is because when we're talking about changing the economic protocol and really thinking this out, we're going to want to think about how we want to fund science. We're going to think about how we're going to want to do a change incentive structures, how we're going to want to do all the stuff I'm talking about, not immediately, but in the future. So we're going to want to build stuff into the economics that lets us add stuff on. So it's like we're building with connects and we want to make sure we have the knobs there so that we can push a piece in in the future. Uh, so now that we have the code base in which we can do all this really cool stuff in the future, we can build a sound economic protocol uh, that will be just more thought out. We should just spend more time thinking about them. Uh, so your question was, 
The blockchain is a system of distributed funds, but where do the funds come from? The funds come from the blockchain. The blockchain mints currency based on the decisions of thousands of people who all have a stake in the system. So in theory, they're going to make decisions that benefit the system. That's it. It's the exact same thing as the world you live in today, just better. <laughs> oh, we have an actual technical question here. Defao asks, talking about minting cash, uh, the new, the newly uh, 0.25 GRC per meg will inherently increase the grid coin inflation. I mean, if we compare it to the actual uh, five hundredths of GRC per meg in size, answering maybe a bit, but unlikely. Uh, Fern stabilizes the reward mechanism, so the short-term inflation will very likely decrease from what has been floating around recently. Um, I haven't fully looked into this, so I'm just going to go with what Sai says here. But regardless of what ends up happening, uh, one of the things that Sai points out is that we've stabilized, uh, Fern stabilizes the reward mechanism, and it does a lot of other stuff too. So we're tracking some stats, and we want to pay attention to what happens. We've also opened Gridcoin up to a lot of people by removing the team requirement. We want to track what happens when a lot of people, hopefully, start coming into the network and trying to get their share of GRC. And we also want to track how many of those people buy GRC in order to stake on their own, how many join a pool, how many just let Gridcoin run, understanding that they're probably never going to stake because they didn't buy enough GRC uh, to stake often. Uh, and we also want to consider what's going to happen when we do MRC, which uh, I think both me and Jim and Sai agree that MRC is still a fairly high priority, even though it's not entirely necessary now. Uh, it would still be a great addition. Um, so we want to track all this stuff and then incorporate all the stuff we learn about into a new economic model uh, that will continue to evolve over time, but will be thought out. And we'll have... Uh, one of the problems with the original grid coin in 2013-14 is there really was no rationality behind a lot of the decisions that was made, at least expressed rationality. So one of the main things we want to do, and one of the main things we did with CBR is there were before CBR was written into a proposal, there were decisions that were going to be made without being expressed as to why we're making the decisions. With CBR, there was a big push to make sure that before a decision is made, write down why you're making the decision and make sure that the community understands it. That's the same principle with science. We want to do that with economics. One of the really cool things about blockchain, which is, is a little tangent, is that it makes people stakeholders in a system and it makes them very aware that they're a stakeholder in a system. When you hold US dollars, you are a shareholder in the US nation. When you work for the United States, for any business in the United States, you are a stakeholder in that system. Um, the difference is this. If you are a shareholder, meaning you hold US dollars, and the nation fails, you can just sell your US dollars and you don't care. You just buy the other nation's currency, which is doing better than the United States. If you're a stakeholder and the US fails, you were just impacted pretty significantly. So with Gridcoin, you, basically, you're a stakeholder. You can't just sell your stake and move to the next whatever. We want to, in, with, with blockchain, you become a stakeholder uh, more easily than in fiat. So there are more stakeholders than shareholders in these systems. So you want to be aware of what's happening in the nation in which you have a stake or the protocol in which you have a stake. So you are incentivized through blockchain's theory 
to learn about what's going on in the network. Because if you let something, if you're a stakeholder, you generally have a voice in the network. And if you let something bad happen in that network, you're, you just lost your stake. You were just impacted fairly significantly. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. And we want to translate that into science. It's the same concept. So blockchain makes people learn about economics <clears throat> through its incentive structures. We want to take those incentive structures and inject them into the system of science. <laughs> Foxy says when uh, when they hold a U.S. dollar, they wonder why they don't have better bills that are a different size and, and different colors. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, all right, my voice is getting sore, and I've got one more podcast to do today. So who's got more questions that I should wrap this up on, or should I just wrap it up now? Yeah, after this, um, Delta wakes up, and then uh, we get to go talk about Boink. Today we're talking about evil science. Come on, you don't want to come to that? <laughs> yeah, I'll post the invite here in a minute. Uh, all right, so if there are no other thoughts, questions, or concerns, or whatever, ideas about where Gridcoin should be going, uh, if you want more information about where I and Jim think that Gridcoin should be going, I think Sai was also involved in this discussion uh, last week. We're talking, uh, check out last episode. Um, Oh, I will point out that we do not we're not going to be having an episode next week. I'm going to be taking Boink into the mountains and sharing it with all the bugs and the trees and the leaves and making sure that they know about science. You got to spread the gospel one way or another, let me tell you, all right? So, uh otherwise, yeah, keep talking, guys. Post stuff on Reddit, get conversations going. If you have just a random idea, get it out there, random thought, throw it in the Discord. Uh and we'll see it in 2 weeks when the fern fork will have happened already and we're going to celebrate that nonsense Woo! uh two weeks 3 30 p.m eastern here on the gridcoin discord server thank you guys for joining thanks for the good questions too i love uh having a two-way discussion more than just uh me rambling although you know me i love to ramble bye <laughs>